Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the natural lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Putting a solo podcast in here. We're right in the middle. We're about to be in the middle of season four of True Bobcast. I haven't been up here in a while, dude. It snowed. You know, I hadn't come in almost a week. I think the last time I was here was last Thursday. This is my first hike in the snow. I'm wearing sneakers, which sucks. I didn't realize how packed down the trail would be with snow, but that's okay. You know what I mean? It's good. Uh, let's see. Today is my, well, it's, I'm not recording it on, but this will air on my 44th birthday. Yes. So I've been doing a podcast lately where I say, hey, I think I did one last year. Hey, when I'm 43 or so, I don't know. You know what I mean? But for those of you who know me closely, you'll know that my son's born on the 22nd, my wife the 23rd, myself the 24th, and my mother the 25th of Enero. We are an Aquarius pack, a pack of seagulls that fly over the ocean and pick upon its prey. Uh, I wanted to apologize for people who listened to True Bobcast last week where I was screaming into the microphone. I was a little excited. You know, I have no uh, monitors. Sometimes I can't hear how loud I am, so I apologize for that. So I'm trying to be a little bit more calm, conducive, and collected here today on the trail for you. <laughs> uh, shout out to new listeners. A lot of new people are joining in for True Bobcast. Uh, my friend B at work, I want to give a shout out to. It's so nice in the morning to have somebody say, True! You know what I mean? Like, uh, appreciate support. I've been doing this a long time. And it seems that it's getting a little bit bigger. And you know what? Super happy and super thankful for that. Full of gratitude. Um, being 44. Mm, all I could think about was health. For a long time, 11, 11 a.m. used to follow me around. And 11, 11 p.m. used to follow me around. In other words, I turned, I'd look at the clock, and the clock would depict 11, 11. Now, more often than not, it's 4, 4, 4 p.m. It's always happening to me almost daily. I look at the clock. It'll probably happen later today when I see the clock. Four, 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 right? So, I mean, I'm 44. Is there any significance in that? Who knows, dude? You know what I mean? But I'm trying to, like, reflect really on a birthday, right? So, it's like, as you know, I'm in the middle of this cluster of Aquarians. So, you know, being in the middle allows you... I, I just feel like, you know, I'd rather spend all my energy on my son and, and wife... I've been with my wife for 25, almost 25 years. This June will be 25, or July, excuse me, that we first start dating. 25 years. I'm 44 years old. So do the math there. You know what I mean? It's it's a large chunk of my life, if not half, you know? And um, I think that the coolest thing ever is that I get to see my wife's birthday before my birthday. You know, I'm married to an older woman, whatever, but... Today I saw her, you know, she came out to give me a kiss before 
I left because she was walking the dogs, you know, and she works from home sometimes on Tuesdays. Bummer to work from home, by the way, on your birthday. And, uh, you know, she came out and I, she, I guess she put on, she put on this like, uh, expensive makeup that I hadn't seen in a while. I'm like, dude, I, I just look at her. I'm like, am I, I am married to her, you know? It's really hard when you're in a relationship for a long, long time and you have kids to work on your relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like you spend a lot of energy on your kid or kids. You know, you have more than one kid. You, you know what I'm talking about. Date night becomes something that is for some, I guess it's mandatory for some it's fleeting, you know, like you can never get it. Like we've been trying to go out on a date, man, for like a year now, I think was the last date, you know? And when I saw her in the driveway and I saw how pretty she looked, you know, I realized, you know, I'm a very lucky man. I can be a dick sometimes, you know. I think being in a long-term relationship sometimes can be difficult because, you know, you, you grow together, you know. It's like a symbiosis, you know what I mean? And in symbiosis, it's got to be in total, you know, agreement with each other. And I think that is the communication element, you know. I know that sometimes I can get quiet now and like shut down because of the stress of my job and the stress of being a father and the stress of you know, dealing with my own mental health issues. But I just want to give her a shout out on my birthday because I, you know, I love her and, you know, I got to be honest with you. She's walked me off some, some ledges there, you know, like both with my mental health and also like, you know, with jobs and like my music careers, you know, like she's always been there for me and I don't know if, I don't know if the podcast would exist. I don't know if I would be in a church band. I don't know if I'd be a father, you know? So extending all sorts of gratitude towards my wife, the mother of my son, Tyler, whom I also, I'm also extremely grateful for, you know? It's just, uh, it's hard to put into words, you know, like into a card. So maybe the podcast does it justice. As for myself turning 44, I'm back where I, uh, where it all started. I mean, I worked for the organization, school organization that I went to. So like I went to Colonial School District as a child and I now work there as an adult at age 44. And yeah. I gotta be honest, I, I, wanna, I wanna get back into being creative 100% of the time. I wanna get back into something new and exciting. I love my job. But like, I, I'm also thinking about the creative roots inside me that are looking to branch out and to take up the best topsoil and start planting stuff because, you know, I, I'm coming out of this almost like, like a cocoon almost of creativity. I had bottled up my music career for so long because of the pain and depression, honestly, that followed after Downtown Harvest's demise. I, I was uh, pretty depressed, dude. Cheese steaks for breakfast, let's put it that way. You know what I mean? Like, I just let it myself go physically mentally uh and Teresa was there too you know to remind me and then you know just a couple months ago maybe four five months no, it was summertime I remember it was a little hot it's August I believe it was my first time back on stage in years I'd been on stage with Judah Kim in the year 2017-18 and that was it so yeah it's a couple years there you know what I mean but like doing it the way I do it like I like to practice, man. I like to rehearse, you know. Um, Downtown Harvest, we were so well rehearsed, you know. Like, we would rehearse every week. And we know 
that with rehearsal comes, you know, preparation. But I also believe that like rehearsal shows that you care for the audience, you know. And I'm rehearsing these songs now in a different type of environment where I'm practicing by myself. And then I join up with them for a Thursday night practice, just a one time off practice, which is kind of hard sometimes if you're playing with a new drummer. And like perhaps maybe we're, you know, like as musicians, sometimes you're, you're just a little bit behind the one. Sometimes I'm ahead, sometimes I'm behind, you know. Uh, it's really weird type thing. It's like whatever's going on with you during the day, like you totally could have just not the right tools inside to express yourself creatively as a musician. You know, it happens. But I'm really thankful that I'm doing this stuff again. And it triggered something in me that I'd forgotten about. And my grandmom would remind me about it all the time. And it's like, dude, I'm an artist. You know what I mean? Like, I'm an artist. You know what I mean? And like, I got to make stuff, you know? And I am, you know, I'm potting, I'm doing Woo! podcast i haven't been writing in a while i want to get back into that i really miss like art class too shout out to miss hamilton god i miss you she was my art teacher at plymouth white marsh high school and she was tough but god i miss it because it's not too often you find somebody who is creative but also somebody who challenges you Oftentimes, people, like, they're so creative that they're lost within themselves. The educator who is creative, it's a special little bond that you have, you know? Like, so much so that, like, after I left the high school, I stayed in contact with her, and I had this wonderful memory where she came to see my band perform, and I got uh, left behind by everybody uh, after the gig, and it was just her and I. Hey, how you doing? This, this lady who just walked by just looked just like Jodie Foster. She had the boots. She had the jacket. So I was stranded, and it was just me and Miss Hamilton. And Miss Hamilton was like, would you like a ride, Robert? And she always called me Robert, and I let her call me Robert because I liked it. Don't like it from other people. And she had a Mazda Miata. And if you all recall those cars, they were like the little tiny convertible cars, you know, top-down convertible we put the top down we drove from uh the general lafayette Inn, past pw down into plymouth weeding where i lived and dude i'd never forget that you know i never forget like the imagery of her driving the night the street lights glancing over at pw thinking that's where we came from and our relationship had you know evolved and then i think about the day that i found out she was dying and i linked up with my friend matt kincaid who he and I played hooky once and left PW to get her Miss Hamilton a cat because her cat had passed away. We, at the age of 18, adopted a cat and brought the cat like back into school. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, I, it would never happen now. I think we did it at the end of the day, too. So that way there wasn't much time so she can go home and, you know, uh, get to know her. The cat's name was Chickadee. And Chickadee lived a long time. It was Miss Hamilton's friend, you know. But yeah, I I, uh, I spent a lot of time in her class. I spent a lot of time in high school being artistic, being creative, you know. And when you do that for a long period of time and then you're thrust upon a different type of career trajectory and you're out of that, like, it's not like missing like something. It's like almost like you, you've lost a part of like your your personality, your brain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I miss... One, I miss being around creative people. So, as you know, we're in the middle of 
Bobcast. Mickey and I have known each other for 30 plus years. Um, we worked together once at oldies.com and uh, we get along well. And like I said to him the other night, I was like, dude, we should just start a business, you know? And I've got some ideas. So that's a goal of mine, lofty at, at best, but I'm looking to get into my own business and run things the way I want. And most importantly, treat people the way I want. And that is done by a, just following a few daisy steps, bruh. Number one, say hello every morning. Number two, make eye contact. And number three, know their name. Very simple. But those three things, if you're a person in, you know, a leadership position, just try them out, dude. You know what I mean? Maybe your work productivity levels will go up and you'll never, you know, turn back. You'll never go back to being a straight up dick. And I'm not talking about detective. I'm talking about straight up dick, you know? Uh, but I just, I long for it. If you look up the the artist community name, it's a Meow Wolf. I've spoken about it before. I want to do something like that, you know? I want to do something that's for all ages, but something that allows people to especially people who aren't creative, to tap into it by submersion. You know, I believe sometimes the best way to get into something is to completely, you know, dive into it. You know what I mean? Like when I'm learning a song, I just repeat it over and over again. You know, or there's a song on Spotify. I like, I just keep playing it, dude. You know, so it's in the head. That's the same thing with rehearsal, too. It's like if you start to play music so well that you don't even have to look at what you're playing and you've adopted it adapted it into muscle memory and like i still remember downtown harvest songs from 25 years ago that i could play perfectly you know and that's something about being a creative person too is that you can tap into old strengths you know or old details if you will i don't really know if that applies to other types of professions but you can easily go back to an older art medium if you will i would love to be in the stop bath chemical mix of a black and white photography darkroom. You know what I mean? Like I miss that type of submersion when you're not only killing the senses, you're in a dark room and you know, but you're making something, you know? All right. Enough with the artsy fartsy stuff. Something I want to talk about is that I don't give y'all mental health check-ins like I used to. And I wanted to provide that today because I was having a conversation with somebody at work today who suffers from similar symptoms that I do. And it was nice to talk to her about what I have done to help that. So in the spirit of that, I will tell you that mental health, if you're somebody who suffers from mental health, first off, you are welcome here. You are welcome here anytime. You are welcome to contact me about anything. You are welcome to, you know, invest your time in me because I would love to be able to talk and help people you know, about this stuff, because it's something we don't show, you know, you can walk around with a scar. Oh, how'd you fall off my bike? But you know, what's wrong with you today? Ah, well, something happened in 1993. I can't get out of my fucking head today. You know what I mean? Like you can't do it. Right. So for a long time I was in, I still am, but I'm in therapy. Right. And through therapy, I never was prescribed any medications, but the family doctor prescribed me antidepressants. And before we get into this, let me just say, I'm not telling you to do what I do, and I'm not telling you to throw away your SSRIs, okay? I'm just giving you a report on something that works for me. So the list is long, but I can tell you the ones that really stand out to me was uh, Lexapro in the beginning. Like, I started taking the classic, you know, uh, 
Escalatram or whatever the hell that name is that's generic for Lexapro, I did feel better, right? Uh, the effects were almost immediate for me. I'm not going to lie about that because I know some people are always like, oh, it takes like months. Like Some of them drugs would kick in right away for me, you know, right away. With Lexapro, dude, I felt great for couple of weeks, maybe months, not really sure. I remember in the morning time, like uh, having a very distinctive feeling of lightheaded, lightheadedness that felt like almost like a, uh, I, it's hard to explain, but I just felt like I, I could pass out, you know, but it was like a, the feeling of like excitement behind it, which is weird. Um, I do know, I think that that one doesn't produce dopamine. It produces serotonin, which in your brain, um, it's the, you know, the, active ingredient in what you would call uh balance <laughs> or being able to deal with high emotions and not go off into an ocd like nightmare fueled uh <laughs> weekend rant of things you know what i'm saying so i tried all these things man you know what i mean and then with all these things that comes like bonuses and negatives you know positive and negative aspects one negative aspect is it messes up your gut biome pretty bad like you you're not having like you know um bowel movements that are you know healthy in my opinion you know what i mean like the other thing is the sex life right like uh, some of the drugs would actually make you um it would make you like feel more sexualized you know and like yes in the beginning like with lexapro it was like almost like a aphrodisiac i felt like oh my god i'm so into you Teresa. you know what I mean? like it was just and then that all goes away, by the way, with Lexapro, right? But then other ones that I've taken, Vibrid, um, Wellbutrin. Uh, what was the one I was on? I, I, I've locked it out, but uh, the most recent one, though, was Effexor. So I jumped from the SSRI world into the SNRI world, thinking that maybe this would produce some sort of different effect, you know, to get over my depression. Cause it's pretty depressed, dude. It doesn't seem like it, I guess, on Instagram and Facebook. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that loftiness too. It's like, am I really like telling people how I feel, or am I like posting shit to like make my, you know what I mean? Like, don't let the ego put you in the, you know, back seat and have the ego running wild on the streets telling everybody how great you are. It's, it's a bad look in my opinion, you know, dude. So I'm on Effexor and like Effexor. I couldn't feel it at all in the beginning, but then slowly I started to feel like, yeah, maybe this is working. I don't feel so mad. I, I don't feel like I'm very, I think when you suffer from like a mental health thing, you have like low patience with stuff because you're desperately trying to get to the moment of peace that you know is right around the corner. It could be in your car, your bike, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I just felt like I was, I feel like I needed to take the medicine, right? And in all truthful honesty, I was estranged from my parents. We're no longer estranged. We are speaking and it's healthy, you know? I was pretty depressed about that. I was really sad during the holidays. I was really sad when someone in the family had passed away and I couldn't properly, you know, grieve with my, my folks, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, that stuff's hard to talk about, you know what I mean? But like, I remember like several mornings waking up and like feeling the urge of success. The day has begun. And then quickly just the, the dampening of my mood, knowing that, you know, people would shame me a lot about that too. Like as I was working on my mental health, as I was working through the weeds in my, you know, garden, 
uh, in my mind, people were shaming, you know, not everyone, but some, and some I still haven't really got a chance to reacquaint with, you know, because it's, it's kind of crazy how people get mad at you when you're trying to help yourself, you know, like not physically, you know, like help yourself get like, you know, uh, <laughs> plastic surgery. I'm talking like stuff like going to therapy, trying to figure out the root of the problem, you know? So I'm trying to figure out the root of the problem, going through all these different types of, you know, medications and stuff like that. Um, I did uh, come across the uh, medication that um, would be deemed controversial for some. And uh, we'd have to speak about that at a later date. Shout out to my boy. You know what I'm talking about. But uh, the thing that really got me curious is when I started to study neuroscience, okay? Dr. Joseph Dispenza is this dude you got to look up, okay? He gets into an accident, and basically he wills himself back to being not paralyzed. It's wild, right? But this is done through neural pathways in the brain. And now when you suffer from depression or if you suffer from some sort of post-traumatic stress event, it's hard to skip over that neural pathway bump in the road, if you will. And what medication that I start taking, what it does is it fixes those bumps in the road and in fact lay cement down so you're no longer going to have that it's like a pothole being filled up and that drug is ketamine i prescribed ketamine legally i have a prescription that is mailed to me from ups every day <laughs> i wish it was every day excuse me every month and uh yeah man i love it you know because it's like it's done so many different things for me you know and i was talking to somebody about it today and i figure i don't know if i've ever come out flat out and said it, but I am a supporter of it. And I imagine some of you right now in your brain, you're going to the Matthew Perry incident, right? Which is tragic, right? I mean, totally tragic. This guy makes everybody laugh. This guy makes everybody have a great time. And then he just dies. Shout out to Bell's Mills down here. What up, everybody? Just got my toe wet on the bridge. I didn't get wet the whole time. Dude, I'm right here, man. For real? Fucking idiot, dude. Almost ran right into me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I should have said, man, that guy in his motor vehicle almost killed me while podcasting. I forgive you. Uh, we're going back into the woods. Bear with me real quick. So the deal with ketamine, right? I was scared, man. You know, I was scared because I had seen somebody back in the day lose their shit. And, you know, I saw a K-hole, you know, and I should say also too as well that he was drinking during that time, but... Whatever that I saw in 1997, it made me never want to touch that stuff. In fact, I never really saw it around the scene at all. You know, uh, a lot of times, uh, nobody will let me yield here. Oh, look at that. Oh. Thank you. Somebody let me yield. Hey, hey. Am I using the right word? Somebody yet let me yield? Somebody let me pedesterize? I don't even know. Here we go. Uh, so ketamine, dude, uh, you know, talking to this person at work and I could tell this person was just depressed and I could tell this person suffers from some of the same symptoms that seem very familiar to me. One being post-traumatic stress syndrome and like a trigger, right? When I say trigger, like not like pulling the, you know, the trigger, like sometimes something will happen, which will trigger post-traumatic stress events that have happened long ago. And for the person who has no clue about this, it's like, if this happens to someone you love, say, for instance, you have a, a spouse or somebody in your life that suffers from PTSD and you can't really relate because you don't have that type of brain. 
when the PTSD hits, you are in flight mode. You are, you, you could be in fight mode, but like, it's almost like you go back into like time, if you will. Like the present is not the present, dude. Like you were back there in that post-traumatic location. At least for me, I feel that way, you know? And I think it speaks in volumes to a lot of other people who suffer from these things. And when you take the ketamine, yes, some of you out there are like, you take the horse tranquilizer, Bob? Yeah, whatever. Do the research. You'll see what happens is they found the ketamine can, in fact, build new neural pathways and repair old ones, which have been completely destroyed in the mix of your mental health war, if you will, you know. Um, so I told this person, you know, and they were excited because I could tell that perhaps maybe they've tried lots of stuff and they're at the end of the rope, you know. And it's sad, you know. And I think a lot of people go through that. And it's just like some people might be scared to try ketamine because of perhaps maybe they saw somebody at a rave in the 90s in a K-hole. So when you take it, right, like, yeah, there's an element of, like, I guess what you would call a psychedelia, you know. But for me, I take it. And I don't take it every day, too. That's something that we should point out, right? With SSRIs, SNRIs, I had to take it every day. I remember once trying to quit the Fexor cold turkey. Dude, you know the brain zaps? It's not really like zaps, dude. It's like zonks. I don't even know how to describe like what happens to you if you try to get off antidepressant medication without properly tapering, you know? You can go crazy, dude. So once I got off of Fexer, which is almost now like a month and a half ago, I started to feel calm, right? I realized that the Fexer definitely was making me very tired, you know? And like, if you look it up, it technically it should do the opposite. And I really didn't feel like it was working anymore. And like, I had started the ketamine and I really just enjoyed that. At one point during a ketamine session, I heard an internal voice god if you will say to me you know you should really look into rebuilding your relationship with your parents you know and like uh, almost like instantaneously i started to build myself back up to do that and now we have a pretty good relationship on my 44th birthday and i really do believe that a lot of that stuff comes down to ketamine ketamine allowed me to look not just inward but look at myself like it almost feels like a third person type element where you're i remember one time in therapy i was like i was watching myself you know it's like you can see yourself react and you can feel it and slowly and surely in the days after taking it some report to be tired but i mean for me i haven't taken it since sunday today's tuesday yeah you take days off you know and that's awesome because you know, something like that could become highly addictive. And as we know, Matthew Perry had a very uh, long history of addiction and stuff like that. And it's very sad, you know, but uh, the amount of ketamine he had in the system, I would not recommend it. Like he took way too much, you know, these ketamine doses that you can get through a company called Joyous. They come in a trochet, which is like this little square thing you pop in your mouth. It's like if you don't dip, it's very similar to that. There's a lot of ice here. So if I fall... Tell everybody I love them. Oh, boy. A lot of people are scared of it, you know, but I just want to say it could really help you 
if you're suffering, you know? As a matter of fact, there was two conversations I had with people who are suffering through mental health issues as we move our way through the winter combating seasonal affective disorder and all sorts of other things. It's easy to forget that you need to take care of yourself, especially if you're somebody like myself who's got a lot of different hats to fill. Your husband, your father, your worker, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? True! Just felt like saying it. Somebody on the other side of the river looking at me. <laughs> hey. But yeah, dude, check it out. Like if you're somebody who's maybe if you're in recovery too, like you're somebody who doesn't want to do drugs, I really don't feel like the drug is something you would want to take to uh party. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's not like that at all. It feels very much like entering into a therapy session, if you will. There's a couple times where I would set the intention of what I wanted to do. And I came out of there just feeling like fantastic. One time, like I felt like I had time traveled and recreated events the way that I wanted them to play out in my mind. It's wild, right? So, hey, man, like if you're somebody who's, you know, on the fence of stuff, you can get counterculture with me. I'm here to help you because I do believe that, you know, we all are connected and we all are God's children, you know, and it's like, why not try to help yourself if we're all connected? You know what I mean? Help, help me help you. Uh, look, I love you all. I love uh, podcasting. I love this place. I love being 44 years old. It's kind of strange that uh, I'm saying that because, you know, next year it's 45, dude. That's the midpoint until you're 50, you know? Oh, somebody told me today, well, you look very young, Bob. And I say to that, thank you very much. With that being said, my name is Robert Patrick James Cahill. And this has been yet another episode of The Bobcast.